0: This is David DeLeon. I helped to produce 20-minute takes, and today I have the privilege of stepping in for Toyama Toyamasito as host. On this week's episode, we talk with my dear friend, Tim Ignacio. He's a community worker with servants to Asia's urban poor, based in Metro Manila in the Philippines. He shares about his journey into this vocation, power of a ministry of presence and why he considers himself a balik bayan and not a missionary if you're curious to hear more listen tim ignacio it is so good to have you on 20 minute takes hello thank you for having me i appreciate how in the philippines when they ask you like where you're from like a rough translation of that could be sort of like who's responsible for you. So Tim, who's responsible for you? Can you tell us a little bit about who you are by telling us about who, who, who's responsible for you, Tim? Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely my mother,
1: um, who is from real Quezon, And thanks to the hard work, blood, sweat and tears of my Lola, her mom, um, my family ended up in suburban California. And so if you, if you know anything about, um, Hassan Minaj and his uh his whole um Homecoming King thing and how immigrating to the US is like winning the lottery or getting into the NBA. Um that's basically my life in that my family immigrated and got the white collar jobs. My mom's a-, a doctor in California and so I basically got to grow up in in that whole uh American dream that's uh so uh, coveted for people out here in the
0: Philippines. So that was kind of what I was born into. You're in the Philippines right now. Can you tell us about why you are in the Philippines?
1: Yeah, I had a really formative experience uh, in 2014 going on an exposure trip. And um, it was a really big experience for me in kind of shifting what I understood, uh, getting to inherit the um, privileges of being born in this quote unquote American dream to then being thrown into the context of what my family, in a sense, left behind, uh, started to really shift um, my being grateful for what I was given in my life to um, this dissatisfaction with the way things are for the rest of the world, or at least people here in the Philippines. And so no longer was I able to just uh, be thankful for what I was given because that wouldn't change anything for the people that I was now living with for those few weeks when I was on this trip and kind of shape what I would think about going back to the U.S. or what that would be like.
0: And in that season, right, you were going through what in this day and age would be called like a process of deconstruction of a sort. Yeah. And and what was being deconstructed for you and what was sort of built up in its place as, as you were experiencing this transformation?
1: Yeah, there was actually a moment on the trip, which was really interesting. I think we were having some kind of Bible study. I don't remember the exact context, but I came with my really great prepackaged evangelical Bible verses and prepackaged commentary. And I remember citing Romans 828, talking about how, yeah, all these things suck, but God is working them all together. And then there was a staff that actually called me out on that and and said, yeah, I think we need to approach this experience without holding on to these answers and to um, allow ourselves to be disoriented by by the context. Um, And so... That kind of started to shift me into a, from a posture of trying to provide answers to then uh just being allowed allowing myself to ask questions about what's going on and so I started to realize throughout the trip that my my nice answers of like a romans eight twenty eight or whatever have you those would fall very pitifully short in justifying and finding resolution to what I was seeing um, that was a complete world of difference from. Uh, my suburban America growing up, my private Christian school experiences growing up, um, and then uh, coming back from the trip, we got right into uh, Michael Brown's murder in Ferguson and seeing the really bad evangelical response to that. I think a lot of people, that was kind of the a turning point for a lot of people's deconstruction moments and experiences, and that was definitely a
0: point for me. And so who do you, who do you work with right now? And sort of what, how did you get to this point from that exposure trip to actually relocating to the Philippines and participating in in a type of work? Tell us a little bit about your work, but how did you get there?
1: Yeah. So after the trip, I connected with some people from servants to Asia's urban poor, and that started to have some conversation about um, what it would look like to move uh, to the Philippines. Uh, to be part of the work that they're doing over here, um, which could be doing incarnational ministry over here, just living with the same community where we're trying to serve. When I was praying about it, I, I kind of felt like the tug was not so much this external call. of not, I wasn't hearing the typical uh, mission conference call to go to the nations, go to the 1040 window, the persecuted, the unsaved. And so, if, if we're to use uh, Tagalog, uh, I was not hearing "pumunta kadoon." I wasn't hearing "go over there." What I felt like I was hearing in the moment was "halikadito," or uh, in English, "come here." Um, and it felt more of like an invitation to go to where Jesus was already. And even being in my process of deconstruction, that was some where I wanted to be. I wanted to find this Jesus that was more than what I I realized. And so, hearing that sort of call of Halika Dito, I I started to see that my what made me want to come here was not so much a feeling like it was a purpose or God's will or anything like that, but more of an inner desire that I wanted to be where Jesus was.
0: Yeah. I love that reflection because it acknowledges that God's presence and God's work was moving and was there in the Philippines, in, in Metro Manila, before you stepped there before you even had the idea of, I feel this invitation from God to join what God is up to. Some people will hear the type of work that you do, and they'll be like, oh, Tim's a missionary. But you <laughs> you sort of eschew that title, and you actually like to say that you are a balik bayan and not a missionary. Can you tell us what's a balik bayan, yeah. and why do you make that particular distinction?
1: Yeah, so if you break down the Tagalog Uh, into its root words there's two words there's balik and there's bayan balik is like return to return somewhere and bayan uh, can be loosely translated well actually more literally translated as land as the place you're from and it even comes from even a deeper understanding of um, the philippines where we call it the inang bayan or the motherland where you literally come from the womb of this place and so for me to claim the term Balikbayan, it's it's sort of a generational thing and an inheritance where I'm coming back to the land that my family's from. So even for me as a second gen, born in the U.S., going from there to here uh, is a claim that I'm coming back to the place my my family's from. And so calling myself a Balik Bayan I'm missionary... For me, is, is kind of an expression of this whole deconstruction thing is, is sort of like, what well, what does deconstruction mean if I'm going to uh, go into a place that has been traditionally and historically called missions and missions work? Uh, what would this space sort of look like if I was going to approach it with this sort of deconstructing and even to borrow from other uh, discourses, this uh, process of decolonizing? What does decolonizing look in this whole process, and so for me, balikbayan, being a balikbayan, not missionaries, is sort of trying to claim those processes and making some kind of theological expression that I'm coming here, and um, not wanting to see see myself produce things like converts or ministries, uh, but wanting to be in this sort of mutual and communal process of trying to find where this call of halikadito is with my um, community here with my cababayans people who are also from this land
0: i'd love to hear a little bit more about in your particular community can you tell us about your community um and can you tell us a little bit about the specific people or situations or stories in which you have experienced god's invitation
1: yeah so i live in quezon city and um we i live in uh i think it's the biggest it's in the top two biggest barangays or um that's that's the smallest sort of residential unit here in the philippines and so if you're to uh pass through my neighborhood uh it's uh sort of colloquial colloquially called riverside um, because it uh shoots off of a main street called riverside street yeah so if you come into my community you'll see a lot of typical sites uh People drinking, a lot of roosters, kids playing, and all of that sort of intermingled with these bigger consequences of kind of what we were talking about earlier. We'll call it exploitative capitalism or um, globalization where um, these sort of communities of people are really pushed to the peripheries of uh, urban places like Metro Manila. And so it's it's a really interesting thing to see uh, these sort of very affectionate parts of um, Philippine culture and life that I think a lot of us, Phil Ams, like to be proud of, like the cockfights, like the drinking. Um, sort of these aspects are also uh, in the middle of processes of marginalization and impoverishment. So it, it kind of like points to this dynamic for me of... Um, for me as a as a am um carrying the privileges I have. I see how much we can over how much we like to romanticize and essentialize parts of our own culture uh, mm-hmm. without having an appreciation for these bigger realities that our Kababayans, our people here, have to live with every day. Um and one what, one thing I like to think of call it is like there's this um Jollibee effect where I think a lot of us in the
0: States like to be what's Jollibee ten?
1: Jollibee is uh more or less the Filipino McDonald's with a yeah. better mascot and <laughs> um we have and fried chicken that's way better than KFC and Popeyes. <laughs> I might get in trouble for that. But uh yeah basically our fast food. And if you ask any Phil Lamb if they like Jollibee, they'll definitely be proud about it and talk about how great it is that we have this sort of uh, icon of our culture. And it's also an interesting thing because if you come back here to the Philippines, uh, Jollibee isn't necessarily a marker of Filipino culture. It's actually kind of more of a marker of socioeconomic status and privilege because it's middle-class, more privileged people that usually get to eat at Jollibee. And people like my neighbors very rarely get to eat at a place like Jollibee. And so what what is kind of a place for some people like us Phil Lambs, while it's sort of this cultural icon for us and kind of heritage part of our heritage as filipinos is for other filipinos i um, a reminder of socioeconomic barriers and their and their own socioeconomic status and so it's it's interesting for me having starting seeing that up close and living here in this community um, having to realize how i evaluate and identify my own culture and identity uh, is for other Filipinos, actually markers of separation and and exclusion, and so that has sort of been a realization for me in in interacting with my neighbors and uh, my community
0: here. Some people would say anything that looks or smells like missionary work is inherently colonial. But like, how would you respond to those folks?
1: I feel you would definitely be the first thing I say. Yeah, I mean, uh missionary work came here as part of the colonial project under the Spanish with the Catholic church and under the Americans with various Protestant denominations. So there's, I think um, definitely a sort of simultaneous process where anybody doing that kind of work has to own that. Um, And even their very presence here is thanks to those previous projects that have also been responsible for exploitation, war, murder, murder, I think we have to we have to be willing to accept that um but also seeing how uh the space here for for these kind of um people, what this kind of means, what their presence means here and what- and what I mean by that is um something I think one of my teammates has liked to say is that there's something very scandalous about people being foreigners like us being in this kind of community and although it's not really externally obvious for someone like me as much as my white teammates um there's something about it that i think um makes uh our community wonder why are we here in their space Um, what is it about their space that would make us want to be here Mm. and i remember um one of my um one of my friends out here in the neighborhood just kind of telling me um, a few times i'm so happy that you came back here uh, that you came back to the philippines ga- came back to our to our home um and I think there is something about coming here that is able to communicate to our community to our friends here to our my Kababayan that where they are is worth being mm. that it's it 's worth coming here, and that means that who they are, where they are their place is valuable, and it means something. Mm. Um, I, I think if there's anything that even if someone wants to own the mantle of missionary, that is a gospel that I think you're sharing with mm. with the people that you live with that they are worth being with and coming to, and they're worth leaving wherever you are from mm. um, to be with for however long you're going to be here. So yeah. I think it's it's a weird thing that you, that to hold, and I and I'm not mad at anyone who wants to completely dismiss the whole missionary thing. I mean, I'm kind of like half doing that. <laughs> Um, yeah. If if you want to just call it out for that, but in, anyone, it, whether you are going to call yourself a missionary or not, if you want to be in this kind of community, you are being in a sense missional.
0: Yeah. Um
1: You want you want something to happen. Yeah. Um, and I think it's about how we understand ourselves, the context that we're coming from, the the bigger dynamics that make us who we are. I think understanding that's important, so that we can be more meaningfully integrated
0: and and present here with our community. It- do you have any stories or any people that you've met or or folks in your neighborhood who you in whom you've experienced sort of this invitation from God to like, hey, come here. I want you to see what I'm up to.
1: My friend Ate Mane. Ate means older sister. Um and Mane means peanut in Tagalog. That's our nickname. Um, um, she's grown up doing um Various jobs that a lot of our working class couple buy ins go through. She's worked as a house helper, katulong. Um, she's uh, worked as uh, her, the longest thing she's done is working as a lumpia vendor. Um, and so she's one of the people that goes around just selling lumpia. And that's another kind of icon thing where I think a lot it's of us are proud roll. of. lumpia Yeah, egg roll, uh, not a spring roll. Um, and so, kind of another thing that's that's kind of a marker of uh sort of working class life selling lumpia uh at a very low price in the um in the heat with just walking around um and so she's known through our community for selling lumpia um and what's what's amazing to me is uh she she has kind of displayed what it's like to really be a minister here mm. um in that she through all the people that she's met. Um, just selling her lumpia, she actually gets to know them and their stories. And so she's become a sort of a confidant for a lot of people in our community, and they've mm-hmm. really gone to her. So she talks with people about their uh, various struggles, family situations. And um, what's what's crazy is like, what's really humbling to me is that she's just part of their community. She's not part of this external Ministry or organization that has access to all these resources that can change the situations for her friends. Um, she doesn't have any of that, so the most she's able to do is just listen to them, and even just cry alongside them when when um, they're sharing some of their most painful stories. Um, but for me, that's kind of such a such a, a such a great picture of what I think. Uh, being here means for me and that it's not hmm. about necessarily what I have to give people, um, but just being able to listen listen to them um, and be present with them. I think she really embodies that.
0: Yeah. So her presence, showing up, being someone who's willing to listen, maybe when things are moving fast, um, an act of love that is so ordinary that we might not even sort of recognize it. Tell us a little bit about what you do like or don't you do, like in your community like what does your work yeah. look like so why i say
1: i'm not a missionary is that if a missionary was to see what i do every day they would say you're not a missionary <laughs> 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 there's this english word standby that uh, sort of in the in the way that filipinos love to take something that doesn't belong to us and sort of reupholster it into our own purposes uh, we take the word t- stand by and turn it into tambay, which basically means to stand by or loiter and sort of uh, to do tambay is sort of having a negative connotation, much like loitering, where it's just people hanging around, not doing much without really any purpose other than to just be there. And so you have a lot of um, signs like in the U.S. where there's no loitering allowed. We have signs that say, you're not allowed to loiter here. And um that is actually what takes up a lot of time for people in communities like ours, the sort of urban peripheries where a lot of people don't have much to do other than just um by and spend time with one another. Um and so that's something I've been trying to do a lot is just sit here with my community and just hang out. Um and I think some people might look at look at is at it as a trade-off between uh being and doing. Um but I think it's, it's, it's what I've seen in this context is that it's, it's not so much that kind of dynamic because in the Filipino context, especially among the quote unquote urban poor, uh, being is doing. Those are, those are sort of the same things. And what I mean by that is that as I have been doing time, just doing tambay, it really um, one of the things it's doing is building trust. And building trust is very, very important for this kind of context because there's a very strong sense of being an outsider or insider in Tagalog, Tagalabas, or Tagaloob. And if you have built um, sort of, if you have earned this sort of currency of trust by doing things like tambay, um, the more you start to be seen as an insider and get to be entrusted with everything from coming to the birthday parties, the baptisms, so even some of the more vulnerable things, like even some of the youth here have been have have had their vulnerable moments with me opening up about their home situations, what's been going on with them. And I believe that much of that only happens because I have done this thing called Thambai. Whereas I think in the more traditional missionary thing where you come in, do your perform, you do your thing, you speak, you talk, lead a Bible study, whatever, then you dip, then you leave. Um, i I think that misses out on the whole building trust and even getting to receive from the community and I think even just thinking about a person like ate mane um doing tamba is really a way to love the community because we open ourselves up to just enjoy them um to enjoy what they're what they're doing how they are um which I think are more western evangelical product oriented um Positionalities tend to make us uh, more just about what, what am I able to give to these people and perform for them rather than what do I get to receive from them and, and learn about them. One of the things that I think I get out of Tambai is that is just being with people, especially these people that um, bigger systems and histories would not have me be with, uh, that would much rather have me forget. Thumbai is a very active uh, resistance against that and saying, no, I think these people are worth being with and I'm going to
0: be with them yeah it's a prophetic act of, of presence and 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 the redignifying that happens yeah when, when it's the presence that is cherished when it's the existence and being that's cherished tim ignacio balak baya not missionary also a rapper thank you so much for spending time with us here on 20 minute takes um and for sharing your insights um and your story with us thank you for having me and take care
1: 20-Minute Takes is a production of Christians for Social Action. We're produced and edited by David DeLeon. I'm your host, Nikki Toyama-Sito, and the music is done by Andre Henry. You can find us on the web at ChristiansForSocialAction.org. Give us five stars, write a review, and share about the
0: podcast with your friends.